This is Made in Montana News on the Treasure State Radio Network. I'm Jay Scott. Governor Greg Gianforti delivered his second State of the State Address to the legislature on Wednesday night in a joint legislative session. Gianforti spoke of several of his stated priorities for building on the previous session's tax cuts while using a historic surplus to write checks for property owners and to pay off the state's debts. Gianforti pointed to one specific policy to address housing, urging lawmakers to pass legislation to spend $200 million to expand water and wastewater infrastructure and ultimately expand housing capacity throughout the state. Quote, if we want nurses, law enforcement officers, and teachers to live in the communities they serve, we must also address the shortage of affordable, attainable housing as well, he said. It was his second such address since taking office in 2021, as the first Republican governor to occupy the governor's mansion in over a decade. It's his last state of the state before being up for re-election in 2024. In a Democratic rebuttal delivered by State Senator Shannon O'Brien of Missoula, the minority party reiterated they believe that tax cuts would unfairly benefit only the rich. Quote, every single one of us is feeling the pinch of property taxes, of income taxes, and inflation. The system needs to be fair whether wealthy pay their share and ordinary Montanans aren't stuck paying the bulk of the bill, O'Brien said. O'Brien called the property tax rebates a wink and a nod that didn't go far enough. O'Brien criticized the red tape legislation, saying that it, quite frankly, does nothing for Montana families and nothing to address the housing shortage. O'Brien also spoke of access to child care. Quote, the governor offers modest tax credits to address the child care crisis, but it does not begin to meet the needs of families or child care businesses across the state. O'Brien said Gianforti hadn't provided any real solutions to the housing crisis. The governor says that business has grown in Montana, bringing new jobs, but businesses can't thrive when they cannot find the staff. What good are new jobs if people can't afford to live where they work? A gun safety advocacy nonprofit founded by former Arizona Congresswoman Gabriella Giffords has announced the launch of a new chapter in Montana. According to a press release, Gun Owners for Safety is a coalition of hunters, sport shooters, and collectors that have come together to advocate for common sense gun violence prevention laws and promote safety. During the past decade, more than 100,000 gun owners across the country have joined the organization to say that the NRA and gun lobby don't speak to them. That's according to Giffords in a press release. These gun owners know that common sense laws go hand in hand with the right afforded by the Second Amendment, she said. Giffords, you might recall, was the victim of gun violence after a 2011 shooting at a Tucson grocery store where she was shot in the head. There were 12 other injuries in that incident and six deaths. Deputy Engagement Director for Gun Owners for Safety, Jason Boren, said in the release that gun ownership comes with responsibility 
and the majority of gun owners support measures like universal background checks. Quote, the Second Amendment is an important right that I and many other Americans value highly. Most Americans also believe we should be free to go to work, school, and places of worship without worrying about being shot. The launch of the latest Gun Owners for Safety chapter in Montana will support gun owners and their dedication to safe and responsible gun ownership while defending their constitutional rights. The U.S. Department of Health and Human Services is investing $139 million in a special diabetes program for Indians. Funding awards have been made to 302 tribal, urban, and Indian health service clinics in 35 states, including 13 in Montana. The Special Diabetes Program for Indians aims to promote diabetes prevention and treatment centers for indigenous communities. Xavier Becerra, Health and Human Services Secretary, says the agency is, quote, committed to eliminating health disparities in communities across the country. Native Americans face persistent health and health care disparities, which, according to a recent Health and Human Services report, quote, are the result of centuries of structural discrimination, forced relocation, reduced economic opportunities, and chronic underfunding of health care. The report found that Native Americans have a 207% greater chance of dying from diabetes compared to the overall U.S. population. The national effort to return sacred items and remains to the tribes to which they belong has almost stalled. That's according to ProPublica, and it reports that at least half of the remains of more than 210,000 Native Americans have not been returned. Mike Duglow Jr., who's in charge of the Preservation Department for the Confederated Salish and Kootenai Tribe, says any information that helps us return these items is appreciated, adding that the tribes are working to verify the data. According to the database, institutions continue to hold at least 1,200 Native American remains taken from counties of relevance to the Little Shell tribe. ProPublica's database says the University of Montana is still holding the remains of at least 25 Native Americans. To date, UM has made available for return 63% of the 67 Native remains it reported to the federal government. Specifically, UM has made 24 remains available for return to the Confederated Salish and Kootenai tribes and 18 to the Crow tribe. UM in August received just under $100,000 from the National Park Service to support documentation and repatriation of such items. Kuhn said the funding will help support new coordinator position for repatriation. The Museum of the Rockies in Bozeman has made available for return some 22% of the Native American remains it's reported to have. ProPublica found that the Montana University State's Department of Sociology has made zero of 11 Native Americans available for return. It also has not made available any of the 49 funerary objects to return to tribes. Carter County Museum in Ekalaka 
has made all 15 of its Native American remains available for return. The museum says it is made available for return to 20 tribes, including the Fort Peck tribes and Fort Belknap Indian community. Senator Susan Weber, the Democrat from Browning, has introduced a resolution she says is near and dear to my heart. Senate Joint Resolution 6 asks the legislature to recognize, honor, and support people who attended indigenous boarding schools. The resolution asks the people of Montana to, quote, recognize the grief, pain, and hardship many Native American people suffered and still endure as a result. The resolution would want to honor those who were lost or harmed by the schools and appreciate the resilience of survivors. The resolution also urges Congress to designate a National Day of Remembrance for the Native American children who died while attending the U.S. Indian boarding school. Lance Forstar, who spoke on behalf of Western Native Voice, said the resolution promotes healing and helps all Montanans understand the effects of the boarding school trauma on indigenous peoples today. He mentioned that his family is working to repatriate a relative who was buried at the Carlisle Indian Industrial School in Pennsylvania. Sharon Kicking Woman, who is Blackfeet and works for the ACLU of Montana, told the committee that many of the proponents wore orange to honor the grassroots efforts of residential survivors in Canada who successfully campaigned for a National Day of Truth and Reconciliation. In 2021, Canada proclaimed September 30th as the National Day of Truth and Reconciliation to recognize survivors and those who died in residential schools. Kicking Woman said both her paternal grandparents attended boarding schools and both died before she could meet them. She said, in part because of her grandparents' experience at those schools, her father endured abuse in foster care. Sean Rieger from the Montana Human Rights Network urged the committee to support the resolution. Senator John Fuller, Republican from Kalispell, who serves on the committee, said, being a historian, I concur wholeheartedly. Other supporters of the resolution spoke on behalf of the Confederated Salish and Kootenai Tribes, Chippewa Cree Tribe, Montana Budget and Policy Center, Montana Coalition Against Domestic and Sexual Violence, Montana Women Vote, and the National Native American Boarding School Healing Coalition. No one spoke in opposition to the proposed legislation. The American Civil Liberties Union has filed a motion in Yellowstone County District Court to hold the Montana Department of Public Health and Human Services and Governor Greg Gianforte in contempt of court for refusing to follow what it says are two court orders to change policy for amending gender designations on birth certificates. It's been nearly a year since Yellowstone County District Court Judge Michael Moses issued an injunction against the law passed in the 2021 legislature that would have required citizens wishing to change a birth certificate gender designation to provide a court order along with doctor's testimony that an unspecified surgical procedure had been completed. Moses granted the injunction, 
which usually means the law reverts back to whatever existed before the court case. In that case, it was a 2017 rule that mandated a one-page form to change the birth certificate. But going an ongoing legal battle, the Department of Public Health and Human Services argued that as part of the new law, the legislature had wiped out the 2017 procedure, so the department was forced to create a new rule in 2022. That interpretation was appealed to the Montana Supreme Court, where a ruling issued previously this month seemed to clarify that the Department of Public Health and Human Services was not only capable of reverting back to the 2017 procedure, it was legally required to do so. In court documents filed Wednesday, attorneys for the ACLU said the state confirmed it would not use the 2017 rule, instead relying on the 2022 rule. The ACLU then filed a motion to hold the state in civil contempt. In its finding, the ACLU asked that the state be forced to explain to the judge why it should not be held in contempt, and further asked Moses to order the department to comply with the preliminary injunction and the Supreme Court order that it mandated in 2017. If you need to hear this report again, please check the podcast on our Treasure State Radio or KGRT-DB webpages. Made in Montana News is podcast worldwide, with listeners in now 50 U.S. states and Canadian provinces, three Native American nations, 31 countries on six continents. We also post expanded versions of our stories on Facebook. Made in Montana News is heard on the Treasure State Radio Network, including KMEH 100.1 FM in Helena, Elkhorn's Mountain Radio in Jefferson County, Homegrown Radio in Bozeman, King West Radio in Billings, Rescast Radio on the Fort Peck Reservation, PIVA Radio of the Northern Cheyenne Nation, and Crow Res Radio of the Crow Nation. That's Made in Montana News. I'm Jay Scott. This is the Treasure State Radio Network.